Welcome to Current Radio's Sports Station. Please enjoy today's selection of sports news. So, Helena, it seems like NASCAR is revving up its game with a new media rights deal. Quite the shakeup, wouldn't you say? Absolutely, Stephen. This seven-year deal is worth a whopping $7.7 billion, including the previously announced agreement with CW. That's a hefty sum. And NASCAR president Steve Phelps seems thrilled about the deal, especially the diverse distribution across broadcast, cable, and streaming platforms. Yes, and it's interesting to see Warner Bros. Discovery and Amazon joining the NASCAR family. It's a significant expansion from the existing partners, Fox Sports and NBC. Indeed. And this new deal is showing a 40% increase in value compared to the current $8.2 billion deal with Fox and NBC. That's quite the upgrade. It's fascinating, Stephen. And the way the season's coverage is divided is intriguing. Fox will kick off the first 14 Cup Series races, including the Daytona 500. Then Amazon Prime Video takes over for the next five races, marking the first time NASCAR's top series will be exclusively streamed. That's a historic move for NASCAR. And after Amazon, Warner Bros. Discovery steps in with the next five races, simulcast on TNT and streamed on the Max service. Right, and NBC Sports will wrap up the season with the final 14 races. Don't forget, Warner Bros. Discovery and Amazon have also secured exclusive rights to practice and qualifying sessions for the entire Cup Series schedule through 2031. Absolutely. Prime Video will stream practice and qualifying live for the first half of the season, and TNT Sports will cover the remainder. It's quite a comprehensive coverage. Indeed, Helena. NASCAR fans will have plenty of races to look forward to, with diverse platforms to tune in. It's a new era for NASCAR broadcasting. From the fast-paced world of NASCAR, we now shift gears to the thrilling realm of mixed martial arts. As we leave the racetrack, we step into the octagon where a major comeback is set to take place. Get ready, fight fans, because one championship is making a much-anticipated return to Japan. Let's dive into the details of this exciting news. Helena, We've got some exciting news for MMA fans, especially those in Japan. One Championship is making a comeback to Japan, and it's bringing a big card with it. That's right, Stephen. The Singapore-based promotion hasn't held a show in Japan since 2019, and now they're returning with a bang. Former UFC prospect Sage Northcutt is set to face MMA legend Shinya Aoki in a lightweight bout. That's a matchup to look forward to. Northcutt known for his flashy kicks and electric offense, up against Aoki, a grappling specialist. This fight was initially scheduled for 2021, but had to be postponed due to Northcutt's health issues. Yes, he had to deal with complications from COVID-19 and facial fractures from his one debut in 2019. But he made a comeback this May with a swift 39-second submission of Ahmed Muchtaba. And let's not forget about Aoki. He's a former two-time, one-championship lightweight champion and a former champion in the Dream and Shudo promotions. Despite losing his last two fights, Aoki's experience and skill set make him a formidable opponent. Absolutely, Stephen. Now, the main event is also quite a spectacle. We have a five-round flyweight kickboxing match between one flyweight Muay Thai champion, Rod Tengjit Mwangnan, and Japanese kickboxer, Takeru Sagawa. Sagawa is a big name in Japan. His kickboxing match with Tenshin Nasakawa drew over 56,000 people to the Tokyo Dome in June 2022. This upcoming event is expected to be just as thrilling. Indeed, Stephen. 
the official announcement is expected to be made early Thursday at a news conference in Japan. This is going to be an event MMA fans won't want to miss. From the thrilling world of MMA, we now switch gears to another arena of high-stakes competition. As the year winds down, the heat is turning up in college football. The penultimate college football playoff rankings are out, and we're on the brink of conference championship weekend. It's an exhilarating time for football fans, so let's dive right into it. Well, Helena, it's that time of the year again. The penultimate college football playoff rankings are out, and we're on the cusp of conference championship weekend. It's going to be a wild ride. Definitely, Stephen. And it's the last year we'll be seeing a four-team top 25, with the 12-team college football playoff set to debut next year. This season would have been a great one for the expanded field, don't you think? Oh, absolutely. We've had so much parody this season and plenty of debate about who truly deserves to make the field. But under the 12-team format, all these top teams would get a shot at the CFP. Right. And speaking of the top teams, Georgia is holding the number one spot. They had a close call against Georgia Tech, but they're now preparing for the SEC championship. They're up against Alabama, who beat them last year. It's going to be quite the rematch. And let's not forget about Michigan at number two. They just secured their ticket to a third straight Big Ten championship. A win over Iowa could get them back to the CFP. Yes, and they'll have their head coach back, Jim Harbaugh, after a three-game suspension. But let's move on to the number three spot, Washington. They've had some close calls, but they're heading into the Pac-12 championship against Oregon. They're the underdogs, but ESPN still has them in the top four. It's going to be a tough match, especially with Michael Penix Jr.'s numbers dropping a bit. But let's not forget about Florida State at number four. They're undefeated, but there are questions about their place in the rankings without Jordan Travis. If they win on Saturday, it's going to be a tough call for the CFP committee. And under the 12-team format, we'd have some interesting matchups. Oregon, for instance, would take on Tulane as the highest-ranked Group of Five conference champion. They've been on a roll, winning six straight games. And then there's Ohio State at number six. They're still a top-six team, but their path to the CFP isn't as easy as last year. They'd need a lot of help, especially since they missed out on the Big Ten championship. But under the 12-team model, they'd be in the field as an at-large team. Right. And Ole Miss would be in position to snag an at-large bid as well. And then there's Texas at number seven. They could be in the top four if they can win against Oklahoma State in the Big 12 championship. But even if they don't, they'd be in the 12-team CFP field as the conference champion. And then there's Alabama at number eight. They're going to need some help to get to the CFP this year, especially considering their loss to Texas. Their SEC championship game against Georgia could be make or break for a playoff return. And finally, Missouri at number nine. They've been one of the surprise teams this year with Cody Schrader leading the offense. They could be in the mix next year after the CFP expands. But for now, all eyes are on the top four this Sunday when the final rankings come out. Absolutely. It's going to be an exciting weekend, and next year, the committee will have some interesting decisions to make with 12 teams eligible for the field. It's going to be a game changer. From the thrilling world of college football, we now switch gears to the hardwood. The Golden State Warriors, a team known for their resilience and adaptability, 
are facing a new challenge. Let's delve into the details. Looks like the Golden State Warriors bench is taking a hit, Stephen. They're going to be without two key reserve players for a while. That's right, Helena. Chris Paul is out of the Warriors game against the LA Clippers due to a lower left leg nerve contusion. He's day-to-day -day on his return, according to sources. And it doesn't stop there. Gary Payton's second is also out with a torn right calf. He's expected to be sidelined for several weeks, isn't he? Yes, both of them sustained their injuries during the game against the Sacramento Kings. Paul's injury moment isn't clear, as he checked out of the game with just 19 seconds left in the first quarter and didn't return. And Peyton's injury was a non-contact one, right? He was defending Sacramento's De'Aaron Fox, and then... Yes, he immediately started grabbing at his right leg and called to be subbed out. He then limped off to the locker room. Not a good sign. This is a tough blow for the Warriors, who've been trying to shake off their early season struggles. They were hopeful with Draymond Green's return from suspension, but now this. Absolutely. Without Paul or Peyton, it's likely that coach Steve Kerr will turn to Moses Moody and rookie guard Brandon Podziemski. Even Jonathan Kuminga and Corey Joseph could see a bump in minutes. So it's a tough time, but also an opportunity for some of the younger players to step up. It'll be interesting to see how the Warriors navigate this. Indeed, Helena. It's always about adapting in sports, and the Warriors are no strangers to that. Let's see how they fare.